Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Spring is here. That means many schools will be announcing their plans for puberty talks, in which many health teachers and administrators start receiving questions regarding how these talks will occur. To help you prepare for these talks and communicate with your preteens educators, Joanna Schultz is joining us today. Joanna is a middle school teacher in the middle of Michigan with children of her own. So thanks for being here today, Joanna. Do you mind saying hi to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background? Hi, I'm Joanna. Like Lori said, I am a mom of two adolescents. I have a fourth grader and a seventh grader, a daughter and a son. Um, And I've been teaching for 16 years, um, all in like rural communities in Michigan. Um, Right now, I teach fourth through sixth graders. I'm in an upper elementary setting, but I've also taught elementary, physical education and health, like lower elementary, middle school as well. Um, I graduated from Central Michigan University and um, Michigan State University with my bachelor's and my master's. And I am currently enrolled in a skills-based health education course uh, with Mary Connolly out at Cambridge College. Excellent. So Joanna, I understand that you get questions from parents and other caregivers regarding these lessons on puberty. Can I first really ask you, what grade does your school teach these lessons? At what level? So my school starts um, in fourth grade. So we have lessons in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade that are from the Puberty, the Wonder Years curriculum. It's a comprehensive puberty education curriculum uh, that's written by a nurse that starts in fourth grade and it's sequential up to sixth grade. Um, Then my students will again have, you know, more advanced conversations beyond puberty in eighth grade in high school. Wendy Sellers, she's the creator of the Wonder Years curriculum. She's the nurse that you referred to. Mm -hmm. And she was on the podcast last spring. She was talking about the Wonder Years. And overall, would you just summarize in your eyes, what is this curriculum? Really, what is it about? And what does it teach young people? So, um, yeah, Wendy's um, amazing, right? And any interaction I've had with her, and she's so supportive of the teachers that are implementing her curriculum as well, which is why I love her. I, it really starts out with understanding what's going on with your body physically. So often it's kind of hard to find those words, or maybe, you know, I know like as a parent, I wouldn't necessarily have all that anatomy and physiology words for my kids if I wasn't a health teacher. Um, so a good chunk of it especially in fourth and fifth grade is anatomy and physiology and understanding what's happening to your body and why is it happening? Um, I think that's why is really important. And then from there, it's also a skills-based approach to health education, which is something that um, all health educators are working towards. So we're talking about how do we communicate with our families? So this week I just started the puberty curriculum uh, with all of my students, fourth through sixth grade. And Our lesson has really been about how are we going to talk as a class with other people, but also how are you going to talk to your adults at home? Whoever that adult at home may be, like, how are you going to start this conversation? And that has been, I think, a 
you know, bigger thing is like, how do we step over that and start that conversation and support the child having that conversation and that adult at home. But there's also like lots of skills. So as I get up into sixth grade, we talk a little bit more about uh, healthy relationships and dating, right? Because they're about to take off to our middle school side of our building and the older kids. And, you know, that starts to be a thing. And how do you talk to your adults about dating expectations? And how do you set boundaries and create healthy relationships? So we go from everything from anatomy and physiology all the way up until sixth grade. And how do we set healthy boundaries? Excellent. And I need to do a plug in here. If you are a person looking to start a conversation or continue a conversation with a young person or a young person wanting to talk to an adult about puberty and other growing up topics, check out the Talk Puberty app. It's available on iOS products. And I created that app to help lead a conversation in which there's sections about what most children go through overall, what most boys go through and most girls go through, and then other general things that kids will often ask us as we're talking about puberty. So please check out the Talk Puberty app. Can I ask you, Joanna, what are some of the questions that parents ask you regarding how you're going to teach or what you're going to teach? So sometimes they ask me um, quite often, like, well, who is teaching it? And I am very clear that um, I'm a certified health educator that's teaching it, that this is what I went to school to do. My master's degree is actually in growth and development. So like I am very specialized in growth and maturation. And so I try to give them that, that it's somebody that really knows what they're talking about talking. And so, you know, sometimes they, when we were younger, it was a female teacher taught the girls and male teacher taught the boys and it was separated and that whole thing. And I look back and I'm like, man, it made it so much more stressful actually to do that. Right. Cause it was this big special thing that happened, but um, that's the other question they have quite often are male and female students, our gender is going to be separated. And in our school, since I am the certified health teacher and they all have to see me, um, no, they aren't for a few different reasons. So a few different reasons we don't um, separate our students is one, it's really important that they are getting the same message, same messaging at the same time. And um, when I'm the only one giving the instruction, I can say exact, know exactly what was said and how it was said and uh, make sure they're getting the same message and the same information, right? It's going to be more accurate and it'll carry over better from year to year. The other one is it's really important to build empathy in our students. If you don't understand what is happening to another person's body, how do we develop empathy? Um, and generally speaking, you know, like we talked about setting bound or setting some guidelines today in my classes. And one of the conversations was like, is it okay to laugh at somebody else's anatomy when we see it in an image? And we're like, well, no, are we going to make somebody feel uncomfortable sitting near us if we do that? So it's that empathy, it's that understanding and it being a conversation that should be had, right? With people and with people that we care about. And then um, another key point is, is when we have students who are, have different gender identities and then being able to choose where, not having to choose where they go, right? Making that a safe environment for every student in the building is my number one priority. Um, so when we have a student not having to put them in a position or their family in that position to have to choose, do I go with the boys or do I go with the girls, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. together. It's mixed gender so that everybody can develop empathy and understanding for all that we have in common and the differences we have too. 
just out of curiosity, do you show any videos? Yes, we do show some videos. There's a few different videos and all of my videos have to be approved by our, what's called our sex education advisory board. So anything that I use in my puberty education course needs to be approved by the sex ed advisory board. Um, So the videos um, that we use in my sixth grade are, you know, include male and female anatomy all in one. And now in fourth and fifth grade, we divide their separate lessons for male anatomy and female anatomy, but they all are together and hearing them at the same time. So there are some videos that we have and diagrams that are recommended for the Puberty of the Wonder Years curriculum. Excellent. And I need to point out that your tone is so upbeat. And when we have people teaching young people about puberty, this is what we hope for. We hope that we have an educator that is cheerful and friendly Mm -hmm. and not this condescending or I'm afraid to talk about this topic kind of tone. So I really appreciate your energy here. I really do. Thanks. Like I try to be approachable and um, know that the kids can ask me anything. And it's interesting because I have my own children at school with me. So some of these lessons, my fourth grade daughter is like, you know, and she and I have a conversation before she comes into class about what is it going to be like? And she's like, okay, that's been a new challenge for me the past couple of years as being mom and teacher at the same time. (laughs) Okay. And they're okay talking about this topic when you're the teacher and they have their peers around them. Yes. Yeah. My kids have expressed that um, it would be more weird for them to not be there. And we've given them that opportunity that you, I'm divorced and their dad and I have said, if you feel uncomfortable, you can let one of us know. And, you know, mom will still do the lessons with you, but it'll be at home. And they're both like, I'd prefer to be in class, mom. So okay. I'm like, great. I'd prefer you in there interacting with your peers too. So. Well, in the wonder years, how things are phrased, I believe that it's, it's things like, this is what happens to most boys and most girls. Is that correct? Yes, quite often. Many of the, so they just did an update on the curriculum. So I'm still on what's called the legacy curriculum. And she just recently updated. Um, And that language I know has changed some in that. And I haven't seen the new curriculum yet, but I'm hoping be able to move to the updated curriculum here in the next few years. Generally, it's like boys and some of my materials say male and female or male bodies experience this and female bodies experience that. Because I know there's this shift going on in the field of using that the term of most boys, most girls, those phrases, or I know some schools will say people with a penis, people with a vulva. And my experience of being in a public school in the United States is that for puberty lessons, a lot of adults and young people they're not used to those terms Mm -hmm. so that schools can use phrases like most boys and most girls. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've heard of that, the phraseology more changing at the high school level. Have you heard that? Not really. Like I usually refer to um, male bodies and female bodies. And I use many of the scenarios in our class are gender neutral. So it's not going to say a boy would do this or a girl would do this. Okay. Um, so I usually say, I'm like, yep, yeah, most teenagers or most people going through puberty um, would experience this. And my students are also very used to me talking very anatomically to them. You know, like I wouldn't say your tummy grumbles up the food for you. Like that's not how I explain digestion to them um, is the example I get. 
So if I was a parent or caregiver of a fourth grader, let's say in your school, am I allowed to see the curriculum? Absolutely. Yep. Um, So parents have access to any of the curriculum. They want to come in and sit with me and review it. I'm always very happy to do that with them and ask questions of me. They can also meet with my principal or my curriculum director, but I'm always happy to do it because I'm the one that's actually teaching it. And, you know, I'm a mom too. I want to see that person that's going to be talking about things with my kid, you know, (laughs) I want to get that vibe and know that you're going to love my child through all of this. So for me, that's what's important is that I connecting with the parents as well. So yes, they can review curriculum. They can ask me any of the questions that they have. They can ask to watch a video. We can't like loan those things out because they're expensive and we don't, we need to make sure we um, maintain our stuff, but uh, they can come in and watch them and meet with myself, the principal or the curriculum director. And I encourage them to, I'm like, please ask me questions. (laughs) Do they have to sign any kind of form or give permission, consent for their child to participate? Or is it just part of the school curriculum? In Michigan, the way it is, is that we offer the opportunity to opt out of the curriculum. It's not an opt in. So in uh, my school district, what happened was before spring break, I sent out a few weeks before spring break, I sent out an email and let the families know, hey, this material is coming in the Friday folders. Please let me know if you have any questions at all. We will begin after spring break. And here you go. Um, If you want to make an appointment to talk with me, here's my availability. So um, they get that initially. And then that packet of information has an opt-out form. And there are occasionally a few families that choose to opt out for a variety of reasons. And then uh, typically what happens is a student is given an alternative assignment and works in a different part of the building during that. It sounds like you're really transparent to parents. Like you want them to know as much as they can to support their success and their children's. Is that correct? Yes. I want to be as transparent as possible. I post things like uh, in my Google classroom, I ask them, please ask me questions. I want, I want to be a good resource for them. I want to support them as a parent as well and support their student. And I want them to know that I'm here to help their kid and I love their child and Um, I want them to be successful. In addition to a parent or caregiver reaching out to you or their their child's health educator about what these lessons are on, what other advice do you have for parents and other caregivers? Well, ask them, you know, what happened in class today, you know, when they come home. And I know some of them may not want to talk about it right away. But if you're using something like Puberty, the Wonder Years, there are parent information that goes home to my students. So ask or, you know, the conversation doesn't have to go straight into that anatomy and physiology and periods and nocturnal emissions and all those things. You can just start with a story about, hey, you know, when I was in sixth grade, this thing happened to me or, oh, you know, I remember that class, too. And starting out and just being an askable adult. I think is probably um, the most important advice I can give you is be approachable to your kids and make time, you know, for those few minutes that you have here and there, like the kids and I talked about, well, where do I talk to my adults? When is a good time? 
somebody, um, actually my daughter's class joke, not when dad's about to get out of zoom meeting. I'm like, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cause so many of them are, you know, still working from home or, um, we talked about like in the car or on your way home from soccer practice, you can ask a question or when you're cleaning up after dinner or, you know, bedtime, like right towards the end of the night, when things are kind of winding down, my mom always said, you know, that was always the best time to talk to you guys. Or when you would say, hey, as I'm going to bed, I need to get this off my chest. And I think that that is the same for my own kids. You know, um, that's when my son or my daughter want to say something or ask something. Or, you know, when we're watching a movie, that's another one. When something comes up in a movie or we're watching TV or whatever it is. And I say, Hey, do you know what that actually means? Like, I'm not trying to be weird here, but do you know what it means? And they'll be like, well, no. I'm like, I'm guessing you've heard that word from somebody at school. You've heard this before. Yeah. You know, and just have those conversations there as they happen. And then of course, answer their questions. I remember one of my children asking me how, how a baby came out of their aunt. And I was just very clear with them, how that happened. And that, um, that it was a vaginal delivery and they were like, okay. And this, they, 